Welcome to whatever we're calling this. Today, as usual, we have uh, special people. We have a special guest. And of course, we have a special co-host. So today I am with Aisha and with Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Guillermo. Thank you for having me here today. No, and thank you for accepting the invitation. Jesse, uh, I know you. Uh, the English department know you and people who are doing complete as well know who Jesse is. So people who have not heard the name of Jesse Greenhill, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what are you doing at the University of Arkansas? Sure. Um, so I am a fourth year PhD candidate. Um, right now I'm finishing up a prospectus, but also sort of starting to write the opening chapters of my dissertation. Um, but I've been here at the University of Arkansas for quite a while. Uh, before I did a PhD, I did the MFA program, which is also a four-year program. So I've actually been here doing graduate studies. Uh, this would be my eighth year. Great, great. Uh, wow, you have been doing a lot of things at the University of Arkansas, which is wonderful. Now, you mentioned MFA, and in U.S., there is a lot of acronyms and and, and, and letters that are connected that mean a lot of things. So just to double check for my understanding, this one is uh, of creating writing. Uh, yeah, so it's a master's of fine arts uh, and it was in okay. the creative writing program. My final project was half original poetry and half translations. Okay, wow, great, Jesse. Now, because of the creating background that you have and most of the PhD students, master's students and also undergraduate students, uh, people get stuck on writing. So the purpose of this podcast is to offer uh, suggestions and, and guidance to students. So how do you start putting your ideas uh, on a piece of paper? You know, I wish I had just one sentence that could answer <laughs> that and could just make it so everyone could start writing whenever they got stuck. But you know that there's no such sentence out there. Um, I think that for all of us, whether we're doing scholarly work or translating or doing creative writing, writing short stories, poems, or whatever, we're just going to run into this at some point where uh, we're looking at that blank page or we're looking at a page that's half full and we really don't know what our next step is or what direction to go. Uh, sometimes that can be just confusion about our own project. I don't know you know, what I need to learn next. I'm not sure if what I just wrote is right or not. I think sometimes it can be just a motivation issue. Uh, I've been working on this a long time. I'm feeling discouraged about it. Every time I open this document, I just, it makes me feel bad. So I'm going to do something else. You know, I think there's a whole lot of uh, ways that we find ourselves stuck. Um, and because of that, you know, I think there, we have to find different ways of getting unstuck. Okay, so um, I suppose knowing what to write helps in getting unstuck. So um, how much of your uh, prep for the comps helped you do your candidacy and the rest? The preparation for my comps, um, it was, for me, it was very helpful. I'm a medievalist. And so looking at a thousand years of history and looking at, um, 
you know, key texts that come from different languages and different cultures. And so the comps were a good opportunity for me to get a basic understanding, like very basic understanding of that big picture. Um, that gave me some excitement, like, wow, there's the world is a big place and, you know, history is vast and complicated and there's all kinds of things that I could write about. So I think for me, the studying for the comprehensive exam and taking the comprehensive exam, it gave me some, some energy or some excitement about moving forward into my dissertation project. Now, Jesse, what's the transition between comps and prospectus? Uh, we uh, wanted to talk to you about that because you are the future. Uh, we are not in the prospectus part yet. So how is that? transition how do you suggest people start doing a prospectus because you mentioned confusion uh, and and uh, and i agree with that I sometimes i'm confused with what i'm writing motivation is something that also uh, affects graduate students and if i can define my relationship with um, my dissertation right now i think it is complicated we are <laughs> dating uh, different people just to explore <laughs> different options so uh for you how do you start your prospectus and if possible how do you define your relationship right now with your with your dissertation yeah so the prospectus in the english program is essentially um they call it a plan of action uh, sometimes i call it a blueprint i spent many years building houses and so that's a kind of a good metaphor for me um, essentially you're just trying to visualize what you're going to create uh, try to make sort of a map for it or uh, you know we could call it an outline it's not exactly an outline because um, you're not going into it like with all of the knowledge sort of already in your head you're you're going to be learning a lot along the way so the the blueprint or the map that you make for yourself has to include the fact that there's a lot of stuff that you don't know yet and you're going to be finding it out as you write and as you do research yeah, so um, that's the prospectus. That's what I'm finishing up right now. Um, and then, sorry, what was your other question? It was about uh, how do you find the relationship that you have right now with your with your dissertation? If in my case it's complicated and we are exploring other partners, <laughs> what what's yours? I'm feeling pretty. I'm feeling pretty happy with uh my dis dissertation right now i'm wanting to spend more time with it yeah there was actually a, a couple of months ago if you'd asked me this question i i would have told you i i really didn't want to see it you know i was <laughs> i was tired of it it was it was not doing anything to help me it was just sort of doing things to to make it hard on me and so i was taking a break from my dissertation for a little while um luckily some of that has opened up for me and I'm back to spending time with it. And it's interesting to think about it in terms of a relationship. Uh, you know, if you have a relationship with, um, you know, with your wife or even with, you know, with a friend or with your children or something like that, and it's going rocky, that's totally normal. Um, but we also know that it, it really doesn't get any better if you just, if you just ignore it or leave it alone or never spend any time with that person. And I think part of why my dissertation is feeling better right now is because I'm just, I'm spending time with it again, you know? So it, it, maybe it's not so mad at me as it was before. I really like the metaphor of the relationship, uh, Jesse, because it, it, it feels that the 
connection and time you have to invest on, on your dissertation. So what are some good habits that we need to have just to start writing? Because I start like, okay, I'm today I'm going to write 100 words. I did that for three days, four days. And after that, I, I had something else to do. So I couldn't focus a lot on that part. So any suggestions and recommendations on how to keep working on your dissertation, even though that you have uh, things outside an external factor that you cannot control? Yeah. So uh, several years ago, um, kind of a psychologist or social scientist published this book called Deep Work. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it probably has a subtitle, you know, I can't remember what it is, but it was it was going around in universities and in businesses and places like that where people have um, long-term kind of open-ended projects where the stakes are pretty high. So like a dissertation, the timeline is very extended. You're basically on your own. The, the project is open-ended. You're having to make it up. You know, no one's telling you what to write. Um, and it does feel like the stakes are really high. Like, wow, you know, I've been working for four years, but I only get this degree if I finish this thing, you know? And then the dominoes start falling after that. And if I don't get this degree, I can't get this job. And if I can't get this job, uh, whatever, my marriage falls apart. And then I'm just living underneath the bridge, uh, you know, sad for the rest of my life. <laughs> so uh, this book, Deep Work, um, interviews, you know, creative writers, academics, scientists, and even sort of like some big tech like celebrities like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, I can't remember which one. And it's asking them how they do this kind of work, how they move forward. And over the course of dozens of interviews, one of the things that he found is that there's different ways of going into deep work. So some people, I think it was Bill Gates, for a long time would schedule like a two month retreat in the middle of the year. You know, have 10 months where he's working, he's doing businesses, or doing, he's doing meetings, he's traveling, he's doing all the day-to-day -day stuff, but then he hits the pause button and he leaves. And for two months, he just works on whatever his next creative sort of big idea is. And he disappears, he turns off his email, he, you know, only his family has his phone number, things like that. Um, it discussed other patterns, um, people who like one long weekend a month, they do a similar thing. They, they work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they go somewhere and they just focus on whatever their project is. And then come back and spend your three or four weeks doing your normal working life. Um, and then there's maybe a third pattern of people who are able to do the deep work um, almost on a daily basis, like get up at four o'clock in the morning, work for three hours on the dissertation and then set it aside and then go about your day. This was a really helpful book to me because it got me sort of experimenting with how I manage my time. And I don't think I really appreciated how close uh, a connection there is between just time management and my own ability to write or to think. Um, I don't know how it is for you, but I'm unable to work on my dissertation like just one hour at a time. 
you know, so if I come to the campus and I do some emails and I have a meeting and then I teach a class and then I have a coffee with a friend and then I have an hour of free time. If I open my dissertation, I, nothing happens for me. Maybe some people can do that, but I can't. Uh, what does work really well for me is to go somewhere and just focus only on that for maybe 48 hours. You know, so I will, I'm kind of lucky I have uh, at my house, detached from my house, I have kind of a, it's just a room basically, but I have a space heater in there. And yeah, so like once a month, I just tell my wife and my kids, I'm going to be out in the writing studio. Uh, I'll be here, but I'm not really here. You know, I'll come inside uh, to use the bathroom, to cook dinner and be with the family a little bit. But basically, I'm just in this writing space. Um, and sometimes I even sleep out there, even though my house is just, you know, 20 feet away. And for me, it's something about just spending that quality time with my dissertation where that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing emails. I'm not grading students' papers. I'm not doing Zoom meetings. I mean, I totally clear my schedule. And I have learned, maybe the best thing I've learned over the last couple of years is that I can't be productive if I don't do something like that. Now, I have some colleagues who can, and I really admire them. I love, you know, I wish that I was that way. I could just, you know, work in the morning on my university stuff and then work in the afternoon on my dissertation. But something about uh, the intensity of focus that it takes to move a big project like this forward, I kind of have to clear my schedule and just do that. Is that making sense? It, it makes a lot of sense what you're, what, what you're really saying is that you've got to um, you've got to have a decent uh, communication and relationship with yourself before you can go and make a relationship with your dissertation, you know. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes this is something else I've just come to embrace. If I'm out there in the little writing shed working for you know, all day on Friday or something. You know, I get up, I'm out there by seven o'clock, I'm having my coffee. You know, I might be in that space for, you know, 16 hours. It's not like I'm writing the entire time. Sometimes I'm just sort of sitting in my chair, you know, thinking <laughs> or, you know, grabbing a book to find maybe a paragraph or, you know, some interesting quote that I can use to keep me going forward. Um, so I'm not just, I'm not just at the desk you know, typing out words for that entire period. But for some reason, if I don't have that, um, if I don't protect that space where I can just be silent for a little while, um, where I can sort of do nothing while uh, I start to formulate the next, the next thought, um, I'm unable, something about the dissertation, I'm unable to move it forward um, if I'm getting interrupted, even on, you know, every couple of hours or something like that. Yeah. So I think maybe part of the reason the prospectus and the dissertation are going better for me right now is because I've changed my writing habits. Yeah. When it was going its worst for me, 
there were several things going on. On the one hand, I was really feeling buried underneath the bibliographies. I was just, there was so much scholarship that had already been done on the topics I was interested in. Uh, much of it I was confused by. I was feeling sort of underprepared. I, yeah, so that was one thing I was struggling with. But I think even more so, I just wasn't, I wasn't building dissertation time into my weekly life. You know, at least I wasn't building it in in the right way. I was just telling myself, okay, I've got to do, I got to do grading. I got to do some emails. I've got to meet, you know, this meeting to do. And, you know, I'll just work on the dissertation in between that or whenever I can get to it. Mm -hmm. And my experience is I, I never get to it. I just, I don't end up doing any work on the dissertation. Mm -hmm. Or if I try to work on it, I get discouraged really quickly. Uh, the flip side is if I take, you know, that 24 or 48 hours and just sink into it and I'm kind of, I'm becoming more and more serious about it. Like I don't, I won't take phone calls from friends, you know, like I'll even send texts to some of the people that I think might, you know, want to do something with me on the weekend or something and tell them, hey, uh, you know, I'm out for the weekend. It's a writing weekend for me. And so my friends are starting to understand this, that this is a, that this is a thing that I do. Had these conversations, like I say, with my wife and with my kids. Um, I realized I also had, I live close to my parents. I had to like let them know because they're in the habit of just stopping by and asking for help or something like that. So, so yeah, now it's like when I put this on the, on the calendar, I tell my family and my closest friends, I'm out, you know, don't, don't be offended or feel bad if I don't answer the phone, you know, I'll get back in touch with you on Sunday or Monday, whenever, you know, that lines up. That's making a big difference in my ability to uh, produce work. And I also am finding out about myself when I produce work, even if it's just a couple of pages or, you know, if I have a big weekend like that and I write 10 pages or 15 pages or something, I start to have energy for my dissertation. I start to think like, hey, this is kind of fun. This could be cool. Oh, I want to get, I want to get back uh, on the keyboard and start writing again. I start looking forward to my next chance to work on it. Yeah, Jesse, it's, um, thank you for being so candid about the whole thing. And I think many of us go through this process and uh, many of us who who feel that we cannot, you know, kind of be ruthless with our friends and our family, um, you also tell us that it that one need not be, and that there are decent ways of separating yourself. So uh, I think that that is really really helpful. That you you need to make your own time, your own space, and you need to work at your own pace and not be discouraged by the, the way people can, you know, just up and work suddenly, um, because there are the, always those around to, to, you know, throw you into the pits thinking that you can't do it. So, um, so I, I thank you for that. It was, it was very helpful to know that. And Guillermo, I think, got a question. Yes, yes, Jesse. But before I, I ask you something, are you going to say something? Uh, do you want? I to was say just going to comment on Aisha's uh, statement about ruthlessness, and on the one hand, I, I think that's right. You you do have to be willing to make sacrifices 
to other things that are also good, things that you want to do or that would be feeding you in some other way. Um, but on the other hand, I think there's a way of doing that that doesn't, that doesn't harm the relationships around you. If you're just honest and upfront with people, um, this is gonna sound pretty silly, but for a while I felt sort of afraid to tell my, even my wife or my friends that this was like really hard for me, that I wasn't doing very well on the dissertation or that I was struggling to move forward. But of course, once I told them that, they were just supportive and understanding and like, you know, hoping the best for me. And it made it a lot easier for them to also understand when I said, hey, I, you know, I'm gone for these next two days. It, it, I felt it was good to kind of bring them into my story a little bit, as opposed to just feeling the weight on my own shoulders and having to do it without involving or interrupting those relationships. But the truth is it's gonna involve and interrupt those relationships. I think, I think that's just built into the deal. No, and, and communicate a, a lot with, with, with your friends and, and relatives. Be, be transparent as, as you have been with us today, Jesse. Now, you, you mentioned uh, the, the blueprint part. You mentioned uh, like you sometimes you produce and you write uh, some pages per session. What, what are you doing? But in my case, um, I was wondering because you have been doing the, the, the writing um, master and creative writing you also have been teaching uh composition for for undergraduate students so how do you know if you are making a, a strong paragraph how how can you validate if you have a strong argument because every time that i write a paper i'm like oh super confident i guess that is my ego i like oh guillermo the war is, is gonna love this they are gonna love it my advice <laughs> is gonna be proud of me he's like oh i chose Guillermo. he's doing a great job but then after <laughs> he reads that part and i start seeing a lot of comments oh you missed this part side this this is not a uh, critical Guillermo. i'm like oh it's like you know they are like stabbing me every single time with that comment and and um gracie mentioned the other day in one of the uh, previous episodes that we have this attachment to our writing so to avoid any pain in the future for my future um emails that i'm going to send to my advisor with with uh, the proposals and that kind of things how do i i recognize if i have a, a strong argument how do i know if i organize in a nice way my paragraphs so thoughts on that part i know that you might not have the answer but but you're my future jesse so just <laughs> I, give me something might... give me something I'll tell you, so one thing that comes to mind, um, you know, this is a like a writing essay that I came across years ago, and it's really stuck with me. It's by Anne Lamott, and it's called um, Shitty First Drafts. I think I can say that on this podcast, right? That, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. And she really is honest about the fact that, you know, the work of writing it takes such a heavy cognitive load that just to make sentences and build paragraphs and keep the writing moving forward, you can't at the same time like evaluate whether it's good or you are honestly, you can't even put the burden on yourself to make it good writing, you know? So 
there's like one mindset that's just generative. I just need to get words on the page. And that's going to eventually be my raw material that I shape into something good. But I think what happens when you were talking, it makes me think of the times when I'm trying to both generate material. I'm trying to be the writer and the editor at the same time, you know, and those two are constantly fighting with each other and it's, it's not good for anyone. So I have to find a way to get into that mindset. And for me, it helps to think about, you know, my work here today is to make a shitty first draft. Not my work here today is to do something brilliant. You know, uh, so I don't I don't put the burden on myself to make good writing like immediately. I just need to generate material. Um, and then once I have that material on the page, then I have something I can work with and I can start to make it better. And that's what writing is so cool because, you know, given enough time and enough revisions and enough working with a piece of writing, I end up with something that is a lot smarter than just me on a <laughs> daily basis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I don't think about having good writing until I'm a long ways down the road. And with my dissertation right now, I'm actually not even asking that question of it. I'm just trying to generate the material, you know? Now, Jesse, the, the, the last question for you, if you had the opportunity to go and, and go back to the past and travel and, and talk to the Jesse Greenhill in the first year PhD program, uh, what would you tell him? What would you suggest him? I'm asking yeah. this as um, like comments, suggestions for new PhD students, maybe master's students or, or even undergraduate students who want to enroll in a master or in a PhD Sometimes we see the master title, the PhD title as a very far that you do not belong there. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to go back and motivate uh, a younger Jesse Greenhill, uh, what, would you, what would you tell him? You know, as you were talking just then, the, like the first couple of things that came to mind were that like, yeah, you, you belong here. Okay, stop worrying about that. You belong here as much as anyone else who's ever been here before. So that'd be one of the first things I'd tell my younger me. Uh, I'd tell my younger me, don't, don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. Like even when you do get stuck or even when you do have a lot of anxiety or you lose motivation, uh, keep talking to people, you know, talk with your wife, talk with your friends, talk with the people at the university, talk with Guillermo talk with your advisors, talk with your other teachers, right? And just go in and say, hey, this is, this is what I'm going through right now. This is what I'm excited about, or this is what I'm afraid of, or this is what's not going well. Just keep those lanes of communication open because I know the places that I, I lost the most time or you know did the most harm to my own work were the times when I was stuck in my own head and not talking to anyone and feeling like I just had to figure it out on my own. Um, I, even right now, I'm thinking about one day running into you at the library and we started talking about projects and it felt so good just to have someone to, to share that with. I wasn't at a very good place at that moment. You know, I was very feeling very stuck, but something about talking with you helped me get unstuck. 
you know? Wow, Jesse, thank you very much. You show us a, a blueprint of how work during our perspectives, uh, making a strong argument, and also decide which space will be better for us and how to use the time wisely, how to improve the relationship with your dissertation now, of course, maintain and keep the relationship with your relatives and friends. So thank you, Jesse, for, for accepting the invitation. Thank you for being today with us and it was a pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, Guillermo. It's always a pleasure. Ayesha, good seeing you too.